Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peake, host of the Her Podcast. Hey, welcome to our show in episode 459, as we share the truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her transformation. This is a very special show and one that I know will touch you deeply. Before we begin, please know that this episode is sponsored by Solaray Vitamins. That's S-O-L-A-R-A-Y. These are vitamins, minerals, and herbs rooted in nature. Listen, Solaray has a special gift for women, the new award-winning Her Life Stages products providing support for the entire hormonal journey throughout her life. And that includes PMS, her menstrual years, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. This is an integrative, holistic approach for really having a woman's back throughout her entire life journey. To learn more about her life stages, please run on over to your local health food store or check it out at solaray.com and use promo code HER20 for a 20% discount. You'll be glad you did. All right. Now, here's a reminder to click on the iTunes to rate and review today's show because our entire HER podcast team just loves your feedback. All right, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind, her body, her life. It's all about Her. So today I mentioned the word transformation, and I know I bet I got you at that one. And what does it really mean? What am I talking about? Well, I think that... As we live our lives, we're looking for ways to get hope, motivation, to be able to take really good care of ourselves, but with a real purpose and meaning behind it. And when I'm talking about transformations, this one particular transformation revolves around a fitness journey. If you think fitness is all about just fitting into a better pair of jeans. Yeah, think again, especially after this episode, because fitness has a much deeper meaning here. It's, if anything, a potential pathway to healing. Today, we'll be talking about a champion master swimmer's remarkable transformation from an addictive lifestyle to master's swimming. Oh, I love it. Diet Sauer is our expert swimmer today. Diet, welcome to the Herb Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You've got that delightful Texas accent, so I'm going to be sitting here just enjoying it the entire time because <laughs> you know I love things like that. You know, Diet, I'm not going to go into the entire history here because you have such an incredible history I first heard about you through the National Senior Games Association, which are oftentimes called the Senior Olympics. I've sat on their board and am a competing senior Olympic triathlete. And what's really wonderful 
is to read a story like yours, which shows the trajectory and the layers of a person's life and the struggles and the obstacles that really became the way to be able to achieve your fitness and athletic performance. So what I'd like you to do, if you could, is just sort of start in with your prior life and what kind of shape that was, what was going on. We'll keep it nice and brief, just sort of hit the highlights. And then that pivotal moment when you began your athletic career. So let's start with your prior life. I was raised in South Louisiana. And at that time, uh, I was very deep into the Cajun culture, which is my heritage. And, you know, it was just full of lots of very, very bad food for you and lots and lots of alcohol. I had come from generations of alcoholics. I mean, it was just embedded in our family. And I didn't even have any idea there was another way to live. I just thought that's the way it was. And there's this quote that I have held on to all these years, and it's from a recovery specialist named Ernie Larson. And it says, what you live with, you learn. What you learn, you practice. And what you practice, you become. That's exactly where the trajectory of my life was going. You know, I was living out exactly everything I had learned and practiced, and I became very good at it. And you also gained a truckload of weight. Well, after I let go of the alcohol and the cigarettes, which was a huge struggle, I compensated by going directly into food. I became like Betty Crocker on steroids. I started cooking and baking and just eating everything that came out of the oven. And yeah, I was up to over 250 pounds. I quit weighing at a certain point. What's your height? I was 5'6". Now I'm about 5'5". Five, five. Okay, fine. So 250 pounds, about 5'6". You just given up alcohol and cigarettes. And you did something we call a transfer addiction. And that is you just transferred it over to food. When I wrote my book, The Hunger Fix, it was about the science of food addiction. I've worked in the addiction field for many years as well. So this is extremely common. And another little note, and that is the fact that alcoholism was in your family, that's a very strong genetic trait. It's something that needs to be taken seriously by everyone. So anyone out there on the Her Podcast land listening to this should know that if you have true alcoholics in your family, there's a very good chance you've got some of that or a lot of that in your genome and be on red alert because if any of that manifests itself, alcohol will never, I'm going to do it again, will never work for you. And so you've got to move away from it and then be aware of transfer addictions, just like you went through yet. So here you were, 250 pounds, five foot six, you know, kind of a mess here. <laughs> and I'm sure that this was tough for you in many levels. When was that pivotal point where you just sort of said, no, this isn't working anymore? There had been several. I mean, of course, I was very ashamed of myself, and I knew that what I was doing was harmful, but 
I didn't know a way to stop at that time. And we went on a family vacation. We went to the lake and I was with our kids and another family and we were having a lot of fun and we were going on a boat trip and you had to get from the dock into the boat. And my weight was so, so in the way I could not, man- I, I just couldn't manage it. And I was humiliated. And I can remember, I just left and I said, I'll be back later. And I, I went into the room at the hotel and I, I cried and I just said, I can't do this anymore. I just can't live like this. And that was October the 10th, 1986. That was my pivotal moment. And I began studying everything I could about healthy eating and doing the right thing and how to control myself. And shortly after that, I went back to college and studied addiction. I became certified in alcohol and drug abuse addiction. And that I applied to everything I was doing with overeating and all of that working together just really put me on the right path. That's amazing. I mean, how many years ago was that? 38. Yeah. It was like, I was thinking to myself, just rounding it off to 40 years. Okay. Wow. Well, first of all, thank heavens you got it earlier in life you know, instead of like waiting until you're 70 or 80 or something. So right now, tell us all your age. I'm 82. 40 years ago, you were 42 (laughs) and you got the big wake up call. And that's amazing. So you got the wake up call. Now, given that you then did what? When did I mean, you, you were studying healthy eating and, and healthy lifestyle choices and whatever. So where did fitness come in with all of this and how did you integrate it into your life? Well, I lost the weight and, you know, changed that pattern in my life. And then I added walking and I walked with some friends and we would walk the neighborhood every day. And I don't even remember at the time what was the trigger that got me into the gym. But I can remember that someone set me up with a trainer. I went into the gym and I started doing weights and I started doing machines and all of that. That was the beginning of really applying a higher level of fitness. Could I ask a question? You said, and I quote, I dropped all the weight. So you were 250. What did you drop? I mean, how many pounds did you go down? Over 100. I went down to 138 pounds. Okay. Currently you're 138. Okay. So there's also another message here, you know, as a physician and as an expert in integrative medicine and nutrition, what's really important is listen up folks, right? A lot of people first hit the gym and don't really pay attention enough to their nutrition. And then they're absolutely confused as to why they don't drop a boatload of weight immediately and rock and roll and keep it going. Well, that's because you cannot outrun your fork. So you could run all you want. You can lift all you want. But if you go home and you overeat, oh, well. So Diet gives us all another lesson. And the lesson was that the true secret sauce comes to addressing these nutrition issues. Now, ideally, you're also doing some physical activity along with that, but One thing we know, and as you know, I'm on the board of the American College of Sports Medicine. One of the things we teach is that nutrition is really the secret sauce, more ways than one, 
to being able to drop a lot of excess fat from the human body. But physical activity keeps it off. So you've got two different things going on. So when you are able to shed that first, I don't know, 20 pounds, if you're doing some level of physical activity, even if it's just walking, which is perfectly fine for someone who's 250, say, for instance, that helps seal the deal and keeps it basically sustainable. Now, there are many people like Diet who have dropped a goodly amount of weight through being very mindful about every mouthful and staying on top of clean eating and the rest of it, and then at a higher level of physical activity. And to a certain degree, that's perfectly fine because now she's at a weight where she can actually challenge her body, whereas at 250, that would be much more difficult. So there you were, you were doing that. When did swimming enter the picture? Well, before I go into swimming, I wanted to add one little thing to what you were saying. What it did for me was create a whole different mindset when I added the exercise and the fitness component with the nutrition. It began to change something inside of me. It started, I became a different person and someone that was obsessed with doing the right thing rather than just enjoying the comfortable lifestyle I had grown up in that was very harmful. So the swimming, I was working out at the club. I was in the locker room one day and a woman said something about the senior Olympics. Well, I grew up loving sports more than anything in the world. I played sports every day of my life when I was a little kid, but not organized sports. I played with the boys in the neighborhood. There were no organized sports. Not only that, the message from the, you know, from everybody around me was women don't sweat. Women don't exert themselves. Women don't compete with men. Women, da, 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 da. And I'm very sad that I bought that message, but I definitely did. And so that sport part of me, that part of me that enjoyed the physicality was suppressed. When I heard this woman talking about the senior Olympics, I perked up tremendously because I had loved the Olympics. I always loved, especially individual sports. I, I admired the dedication. I admired the discipline. I admired all the hard work that they put in to get there. So when I heard that there was one for seniors, I couldn't, I was overwhelmed. The only problem is I didn't have a sport. I kept thinking, well, what could I do? And the very first thing I did was try to do the shot put. Well, I found out that is not anything anywhere near as easy as it looks. It was very difficult, and I kind of hurt my shoulder trying to do it without any training. But then they posted a poster in our club that said they were starting a master swim team. And I said, well, you know, I had watched my children swim. Maybe I could do that. I'd never had a lesson, but I, I didn't, you know, I could float and I could dog paddle. So I, went, I showed up that first day they had the master swim team. And fortunately, there was a coach on deck that day, 22 years old, just out of college, absolutely adorable woman. And she said, show me what you got. So I got in the pool and I did that foolish little dog paddle that I did without getting my hair wet. And I turned around and said, I'm sorry, I realized I, I can't do this. 
I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. I've embarrassed myself. And she said, you can do this. You're strong. I can teach you. You will do this. And that changed my life. It changed my life dramatically. What happened in your mind when that was said to you? I became an athlete. I amazed myself. I remember the first time I went to senior games and they hung a lavalier around my neck with an identification card that said athlete across it. I cried. I couldn't believe that that I was accomplishing anything like that. I mean, I'd never been part of a team, never had a coach, never won a medal in my life. And here was this whole new experience opening for me that was beyond what I could have ever dreamed. I didn't even know it existed. What you're talking about, Diet, is something that maybe a lot of people who are listening now are being inspired by. And that is, number one, it's never, ever too late. If you weren't some great, you know, sports star when you were in high school or college, so what? What we actually found when we studied competitors with the National Senior Games is that almost half of them have never done anything huge in the past. They weren't like walking in there as big stars or something. Clearly, there are people in there who are master's athletes, you know, already, and they're just having a lot more fun with the National Senior Games. No question about it. But so many have never done anything until they were, you know, 50, 60, even older. It's very inspiring and wonderful to hear these awakenings, especially one like you had. So then once you felt like, wow, I'm an athlete, this is something I've dreamed about for years and for a host of reasons. And by the way, (laughs) none of that was your fault because Diet, for crying out loud, coming from your generation, women didn't must their hair. Women did not sweat. Women did not, (laughs) you know, when I started lifting weights, I was it. I was the one woman in that side of the gym. That was it. I didn't have any female compatriots to help me. And I didn't care because it felt so good. But I always laugh now, flashing forward. Now you got to like shove people out of your way when you're trying to work out in the gym because they're all trying to get in there, which is so exciting. And that's where it is. All right. When did you really start realizing that you were damn good at, at swimming, especially with the butterfly? Well, you know, I, I competed for years and I was at the kind of the mid level of the lower level. I mean, there were like two levels of competitors, those that had swam all their lives. They had done competition. They were very, very good. And then there were people like me that started later. The cool thing about swimming is it's about you compete against yourself. You're constantly just trying to improve your own time. You're trying to improve and get faster and faster and faster. So. I didn't begin to measure myself against others until I was 67 years old. I was at Stanford at the National Senior Olympics and had the best meet of my life. I can remember saying, oh, my gosh, I'm a competitor. I'm a real competitor. You know, I was challenging people that had been way better than I was. I went into the 500 freestyle 
ranked 23rd and I came out second. It just blew my mind. It just blew my mind. You came out with a silver medal. Yes. Awesome. So when was your first gold medal? Oh, it, that was a long time. It didn't, I didn't get my first gold medal. I'd gotten lots of silver, lots of bronze, could not crack that gold. And in Birmingham, which was 2017, I got the gold medal. Now, I'll tell you something funny that happened after that. Was it the butterfly? Was it freestyle? You know, I, I, th- I think it was freestyle. I think it was the 200 freestyle. I've gotten a lot of gold since then. Okay, so how did your life change after getting the gold? I'm not sure I can say my life changed after that. Maybe my mindset changed again. It went up a notch. But I'll have to tell you what happened right after I got the gold, which did affect my life. I had been in an interview on CBS National News right before that, like two months before. And so when I got the gold, I had to go to the podium, you know, to stand on the podium. And on my way, this couple stopped me and they said, could we talk to you a minute? And I said, what? And they said, we drove here to meet you. And I went, what? And they said, yes, we saw your story that you started at age 58. And she said, we were both, we're both 58 years old. They were both professors at a college, at a university. And they said, we were both out of weight. We were both sedentary. And she said, your story changed our lives. We are now taking care of ourselves and eating right. And we both started swimming. And that, that really affected me more than any other thing that my story. How did it affect you? Like it made everything make sense. It made me grateful for my addictions. It made me grateful that my addictions were so severe that they forced me into getting honest with myself, forced me to live honest with myself, forced me to live with discipline. And I think, I think, you know, we live in a country where discipline is kind of a dirty word. What I have found is that discipline is freedom. If I can set parameters for myself and live within that, that is a freedom I'd never known before. Because actually addiction is just being so totally out of control that it's frightening. So absolutely true. You know, I'm I'm smiling because a new study came out that looked at the personality traits of people who have a much lower risk of dementia. And so everybody always jumps on that, like, all right, what is it? And by far, and this has been replicated and in, in affirmed by so many clinical studies out there in research and published peer-reviewed literature, the one word that constantly comes up is conscientious. Now, what does that mean? It's someone who is disciplined, organized, true to their word, someone who is setting up a life that has a structure and a blueprint that you could follow strategies and follow through, that you don't riff through life, that you have meaning and purpose behind it. That word conscientious 
is so terribly important. Most people don't even give it a second thought. So what you did was you transformed from someone who was living with short-term gratification through addiction and the rest of it to someone who now, when you said discipline is freedom, it's a beautiful phrase yet. And I'm so glad you gifted our listeners with that because it is true. And when I say conscientious, what we're talking about is not being so highly structured that you're like militaristic or something crazy. It just means for crying out loud, you got to plan every day and you're moving forward. You're learning. Your heart is open. You're more than happy to take on challenges and you're able to do all that because you have a structure, a foundation upon which to do all of that. And you did that. You created that, Diet. That was of your own making. Someone else didn't come along and just sort of slap that in your lap. You did it. You paid the price. That's one of the reasons why your transformation and your, you know, referring back to the prior addictive lifestyle is so terribly important for everyone out there to hear because I know it resonates with so many people. So now here you are in Birmingham. You know, you got your gold, you had people who had arrived to be able to actually meet you because you inspired, you touched their lives. You touched them and you didn't even know it. They were reading about you or hearing about you, you know, whatever. You touched their lives and they were like, whoa, wait a minute. If she can do it, I can do it. And now you had two people who were gifted with your lifestyle inspiration to be able to do some fun things for themselves that will be life-giving. So, you know, hooray to you on that one. I would like to say it's a hooray to that young woman that encouraged me and all the others that have come after, you know, that that have encouraged me and supported me and, and pushed me beyond anything I dreamed I could do. If that young woman showed up halfway through your addiction, that would have been laughable. But what was interesting is there's a beautiful Zen saying, and that is, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. You know, that young teacher showed up in your life, and literally, you were so ready. And, you know, you were raw. You were sitting there, you know, all embarrassed, you know, you're doing a dog paddle, didn't want to mess up your bouffant and all the rest of it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, you couldn't have been, you couldn't have been more raw. It was like, okay, I'm so embarrassed. I just want to crawl into a small hole at the bottom of the pool. And instead, you know, she told you to get your ass in gear and let's do this. And, and all of a sudden it was, whoa, okay. And it just clicked for you. Everyone has a different click for someone else. It may not have done anything for you. It was a home run. It was an absolute home run. And, you know, the more I think about it, you know, as we've studied this in people like yourself, it's so fascinating who it is that appears in our lives, especially the first major person who did this, who really gets things going, you know, who just says maybe something casual. I remember I came from the era of the 
what I love to call the treadmills, you know, the treadmills in the smaller gyms and everything. That's all they ever had. I mean, this is before the ellipticals and everything else showed up. Then there was the other side of the gym, you know, where all the weights and everything were. And I would show up dutifully, and this was during my medical training, just to de-stress and, you know, have a moment without, you know, a hospital around me. And I would just, you know, do my thing on the treadmill. And one day, a young man, you had a young woman, I had a young man. And he walked up to me and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, yeah, I've watched you day after day after day show up. And, and here you are just sort of doing, you know, we have a whole gym here in case you didn't notice. And he said, I'm looking at your body and it looks muscular. Have you ever tried lifting weights? And I said, actually, no, <laughs> no one's ever invited me. He said, let me show you. So I went over there and that was, I never looked back. I became a strength trained athlete. I took to it like fish to water. Well, I guess that's your analogy. But, <laughs> but um, seriously, and that young man, I wish I had remembered his name. It was a million years ago. I'll never forget him and I'll never be able to thank him enough. So for you, it was a young woman who was coaching masters and, and good for her. And thank God you were open to listening. So can we sort of flash forward now a little bit? on what happened after that gold in Birmingham. What was going on with your swimming career then? Well, I just kept competing in that, but I kept, I believed in myself more than I ever had. And then the, the next time I went, I got, I think, two goals. Then the next one, which was in 2021, I got eight gold medals in one Olympics. And were you at that time breaking world records yet? No, I've never broken a world record. In 2021, I was number one in the world in the rankings. Ah, that's what I meant. Okay, so you're, you know, in 2021, you became number one in the world in the 200-meter butterfly. And for anyone out there who's ever attempted the butterfly, good flipping luck. <laughs> I mean, when you see it at the Olympics and you're watching our women's, you know, swim team at the, at the big Olympics, just watch them when they're doing the butterfly. I mean, I'm sweating for them just, you know, watching it. It, it is, you know, I, I know how to do it. And I remember the hell I went through learning it because there's so much to it when you do a form like that. And I'm saying all of this just so that everyone out there in the, her podcast land listening understands the difficulty involved with something like the butterfly. And also to keep in mind that for the national senior games, these are usually conducted every two years, clearly with COVID and, and lockdown and the rest of it, things got moved around there. But you know, we picked it up again in 2021, and that's the next thing. Now, what is your plan going forward for the next Senior Olympics? And tell us all about that. Well, I'm planning on going to Des Moines, Iowa in 2025, and I'm taking a whole bunch of people with me. There's a group that I'm working out with that they've never done anything like that, and I've challenged them. And so there's going to be about eight of us from our local swim team that are going to go. And I'm really excited about that. It'd be a lot of fun. Of course, I'm the oldest one. Everybody else is a whole lot younger, but it's, you know, that's, that's what's so exciting is 
I start my day surrounded by these younger people. We're laughing. We're splashing each other like we're 12 years old. We're laughing with the coach. We're talking back to him. (laughs) We're acting like rebellious little children. And we're just, it's like starting every day with a play date. It has a lot to do with how I finish the rest of the day. You know, and that's another thing I wanted to mention that if all the swimming was just for the gold medals and just for the swimming, that would be good. That would be nice. But what's happened from that is I'm very strong and I never even realized what I was going to need that strength for. It's helped me in so many ways with my grandchildren and my children. What do you mean by that, Diaz? You said you're strong. Were you talking about only physical strength or are you talking about mental and physical? I'm talking about strength you need in every single aspect of your being because right now my husband has Alzheimer's and I've had to step it up in every way, you know, and then there's part of that that's that's very exciting that I've never really put anything together, you know, mechanically. And now I'm having to do that. I've amazed myself again and something like that. It's like, oh my gosh, I really can do this. I just never tried. There's there's just so many things in my life that swimming taught me that I can do things I didn't imagine I could do. A whole lot more than just in the pool. What you're talking about is something I love to emphasize. And you're such a beautiful example of this yet. And that is, there's a spillover effect. If I can do this, I can do that. Absolutely. And it's, I hear it all the time. I have a bunch of crazy people just like you called the peak performers, you know, <laughs> my crazy band of wild and crazy. <laughs> and we've done retreats together. And I actually took an original group with me to the New York Marathon. Not a single person in that group had ever run a marathon. So we spent seven to eight months training together. I had done marathon already. And so we were having a boatload of fun and we wore t-shirts that said the marathon is a metaphor for life. So if you can get through mile one, honey, you know, mile five is coming on up. If you can get through mile 10, come on now, you know, we're almost at half marathon, you know, and it just keeps going like that. And you get more and more strange obstacles and weird things that go along in 26.2 miles. But the metaphor is there. And what's interesting is in that group was an extraordinary woman who had breast cancer. And right after, sometime, I would say in the next couple of years after the marathon, she had a recurrence of the breast cancer. And she literally said, if I can get through that damn marathon, I can get through this chemotherapy. It's very much like what's going on with you. I am really, my heart goes out to you for the caregiving you're doing with your husband, because I know how incredibly difficult that is and can be. And yet here you have this inner strength and belief in self to be able to apply to this very difficult at times caregiving that you're going through with a disease state that, you know, just continuously progresses. So, wow, what you just said there was the Mac daddy, because that 
is such an authentic truth about what happens when you take better care of yourself mentally, physically, because your ability to cope with all of these challenges most definitely becomes better. Don't you agree? Absolutely. It expands what you believe you're capable of. Yeah. It's got to be so difficult, right? At the same time, you're able to run after your grandchildren. Wait, wait, wait. I don't. My grandchildren are like between ages 18 and 27. Your great grandchildren. (laughs) But, you know, in my mid-70s, I homeschooled three of the grandchildren for five years in Greek classical literature and in world history, none of which I had ever studied in my life. And that is another thing that I just thought I could do it. And I would just stay a day ahead of them. I'd teach myself and then I'd teach them. And it's one of the most extraordinary experiences ever. I don't know if I would have ever done that. Greek classics. Uh, just, Oh, my heavens. That's just amazing. We also have a breadth of literature that says the more physically fit you are, the better your cognitive performance. And that includes learning. So I bet that kicked in there. What do you think, Diet? I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. And it was an incredible bonding experience that I would have missed, you know. It's funny that everything that I've, the challenges that I've accepted and that I've done have rewarded me in so many more ways than gold medals. I mean, it's just, it's just been a huge blessing. I want everyone out there to understand something because you may not know much about the National Senior Games. Please go over to the National Senior Games Association website to learn more. The National Senior Games really are all about people age 50 and over. So if you're 49, you can't do it. 50, that's what we need. Now, the average age of the competitor is 68. And I was part of a study, and this was in the New York Times with my wonderful colleague, Gretchen Reynolds, who wrote this story. And by the way, we just did an update a week ago that appeared in the Washington Post. Here's what it is. It was something called the fitness age calculator. So my colleague from the American College of Sports Medicine, Ulrich Wislov from Norway, has a huge lab over there doing exercise physiology, and he created something called the fitness age calculator. If you Google it, anyone could you know, take the evaluation, anyone, and they love the data because it goes into a big research data bank, and you'll learn a lot about yourself. So what we did was we took, this was 2015, we went ahead and took all of the competitors who actually made it to the games. I think we had about 10,000 or so at that time, and I was one of them. So I was one of the people who took this test. All right. And what we did was we looked at the results. If the average age was 68, the average fitness age get this, hold on now, here it comes, was 25 years younger. So that meant that you were shaving off a quarter of a century off your chronological age by being fit and qualifying in this case. So that 
absolutely, I cannot begin to tell you, when that ran in the New York Times, we must have gotten a gazillion interviews out of that from all over the world. People were fascinated with like, who are these people? You know, (laughs) these senior Olympians, only to find out that at least 50% of them had never done anything like this in their life. It wasn't like you were looking at a bunch of, you know, like Michael Phelps at the age of 70 or something. This was very different. So you have gifted yourself, Diet. Well, you know, I actually participated in that study. I was one of the ones they measured. I can't, I guess I was about 75 or 77 at that time. And my chronological age was 49. I mean, the, not my chronology. Your fitness age. My fitness age was 49. But the funny thing was, there was a reporter from the BBC that was doing the story of all that. And he took the test. He was only like 42 years old. And it came out, he was 51. And it scared him to death. He immediately said, I'm going to start working out. No, he's wonderful. He actually came to my gym and he filmed us doing our thing, you know, and interviewed me about the study itself. That's why I say it, it got a lot of spin. And he was laughing his head off saying, oh my gosh, because he's a, you know, what's interesting is he's a skinny young man. And you'd think, oh heck, you know, he must be in great shape. No, appearances can be very deceiving. And so I'm so glad you were part of that study as well, because it really made the point that you gift yourself with more of what we call a health span, not a lifespan, but a health span. And a health span is all about how many years you have in your life where you can live a very robust life. You can get up those steps at the Parthenon when you visit Greece and you could just keep up with people and you'll never have another problem with getting in a boat you know, with your kids. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's not happening again. So there you have it. Now, when once you dropped all that weight and everything, and then you, you know, picked up your physical activity, tell us a little bit about whether or not you felt it was challenging to keep your body the way it is. Keep the weight in check and all the rest of it. Oh, of course it is. It's challenging every single day. That's what I want to hear. I think a lot of people out there are going, oh, heck, she's got this down to a fine sign. It's easy. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, every day I get up at 4.15 every morning and go swim. And it's just not easy to crawl out of bed, especially when it's cold or especially when it's hot. Or I mean, you can always have an excuse, but it's about that discipline that structure that I've built into my life that if I don't have it, I miss it. I I didn't swim this morning because the pool was closed because it Houston panics if it gets at all cold or if it rains. Everybody panics. And so they closed the gym this morning, closed the pool. But I miss it. I miss the camaraderie. I miss the physicality. I miss I miss everything about it. I am stopping you because you said something incredibly important. And that is, it's not just like, you know, you went in there and you have to grind out, you know, all of the laps that you do. No, it's the entire holistic experience. It's the environment. Yes. It's the people. 
It's the discipline. It's the reward once you pop out of the pool. It's all of that. Just hear this, people. Stop looking at it like it's some kind of a grind. If it is, then you need to sit down, take a deep breath, and ask yourself, why? Why are you doing your physical activity? What's the purpose? What's the meaning? It's got to be something that really resonates with you deeply. And then, you know, you practice that. Practice, practice, practice. Until it becomes a piece of you and therefore a healthy habit. And this is just fantastic. So we're going to hear more about you in 2025 when you hit it. Now, how old will you be in 2025? Good Lord. 84. 84. Now, this is interesting because the way I think that the age ranges go, the age brackets go for the Senior Olympics, it's every five years, isn't it? Right. I'll be the oldest in my age group. There you go. And I think the joke among my competitor friends and everything is that you want to be the youngest in your age bracket because you're the one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Then you can crush it. And the other joke was, you know, like, how many people are left out there to compete with? So if you're 84, I mean, seriously, I was talking to these three triathletes and they're the oldest women triathletes. There's only three of them left at that time. This was at a, a different senior Olympic game. They would just joke every year they'd show up. Hi, it's me again. And then they would try desperately, you know, to kind of jostle for that gold position But the joke is just by showing up, they were going to get a medal because there's only three medals and there's only three women. (laughs) So (laughs) so what you do is you just, you know, kind of, you know, stay alive long enough until just showing up gives you a medal. (laughs) And, And I'm just, I'm always laughing about that because I love to rejoice with the men and women who compete, who are in the much older age bracket. Because it's just so cool to watch. So as we conclude all of this, Diet, and I mean, I'm telling you, I could talk about this forever with you because you're so articulate and you're so real. What one little nugget can you gift our audience with, especially those people who say, you know, is this, can I really do this? Can I believe in myself enough to be able to pull something like this off, just like Diet? What would you say to them? I think it goes back to something you said earlier. It's about gifting yourself, about giving yourself that opportunity. You know, I don't believe any of this mess about aging gracefully. I think you've got to age fiercely. You've got to be strong. You've got to fight every day. You know, your body ages and you've got to do everything you can to make sure that it's that it's strong enough to endure whatever's coming because we're all going to have something, but you've got to be strong. That's one of the things too, after nine 11, when that happened and there were so many people that were lost because they couldn't get out of buildings physically. They couldn't, they had to have people come and get them or they couldn't get themselves out. And I made a vow that day that I was going to get strong enough in order to help carry someone else. And that has been an important motivation for me. But I think it's something we all have to think about is how we need our strength, not just for ourselves, but 
for what we can accomplish and how we can help and how we can be a part of reaching out to others and helping them get stronger. Those are beautiful, beautiful words that I hope resonate with everyone. I wrote a book called Fit to Live that became the Could You Survive series on Discovery Channel that I hosted. And in this case, we did exactly that. We put people into really funky situations, including, you know, the buildings on fire and, you know, all the rest of it. What we were able to demonstrate was that the grand majority of people would not survive. Then we showed in terms of fitness to survive. And we did this with a whole bunch of scenarios. So what you're saying absolutely resonates. It's funny that you would mention a fire because we were in a hotel fire last March at a swim meet in Dallas. And when we had to get out, my husband didn't know what to do. And I I told him, I said, you just listen to me. He's 91. And I said, you listen to me and you do what I tell you. You know, I put a towel, wet towel over his head and everything because he has lung issues. And, and I said, and you just do everything I say. <laughs> I mean, every bit of my strength came into play at that moment, just, you know, getting him to comply. And, and the, when the responders came up, when the firemen came into the room and everything, and he said, oh, you've done exactly right. You need the towels and blah, blah, blah. And he, they said, just follow us. And I kept telling my, you know, yelling at my husband to stay low, keep his head low. And I got out of there and I said, oh, my gosh, all of this, this is what it was for. This is what it was for. All the hard work. Diet, you nailed it. And this is the one lesson as we're concluding now that I want everyone to listen to. And that is, if you think this whole thing is all about looking better in a pair of jeans, would you please just do me the biggest favor and stop that? Okay, that's absolutely not true. It's about literally living your life in a much more robust way. Everyone, we've been talking to an extraordinary woman. Her name is Diet Sauer, and she is from Houston, and she is a senior Olympian and number one, in the world in the 200 meter butterfly as a master's swimmer and has gone through a lifetime of transformation from an addictive lifestyle to master's swimming. And all I can say is we are so, so, so happy to have had her on the Her podcast. I, I'm just, oh, in addition to gratitude for Diet, I just also want to do a big shout out to our sponsor, Solaray Vitamins, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y. Remember, these are vitamins, minerals, and herbs rooted in nature. And don't forget to find out about the award-winning Her Life Stages products. You'll find out more about them at your local health food store. Run on over to solaray.com and use promo code HER20 for a 20% off discount. We love them. They're always there to support us. Look, oh. This has been another amazing Her Podcast. I'm Dr. Pam Peek, your host, and I want to thank each and every one of you for listening in and being such an important part of our Her Podcast community. Pop on over to drpeek.com to learn more about my work and social media. Join me every week for another Her Podcast where you're going to hear from extraordinary, entertaining, and engaging thought leaders like Diet Sauer. 
as we share our wit and wisdom together for you to enjoy. Thanks so much. And remember that your time in this world may be limited, but the things you can do with that time are not. So get on out there and seize the day. Have a great one.